Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in day four of this busy week as we get closer and closer to Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady on Sunday. Really excited for the game. We keep bringing it with more and more Bears content as this tends to happen on Super Bowl week. And John's ready to go? Yeah, big Bears podcast today. Three guests. Yes, another Hogan Johns podcast brought to you by Miller Lite. And we're starting things up. We've got a bunch of Bears players today. And we're starting it with wide receiver Darnell Mooney. Joining us now on Hogan Johns, Darnell. What's going on, man? Nothing much. How about yourself? We're we're good. Uh, we'll, we'll start with this. How how's the ankle? How you feeling? I, I know you must have been bummed out missing the playoff game, but you did finish the, the season in a really strong note. Uh, it's doing fine. I'm still doing a little treatment, uh, but I got better um, the next week. So if we'd have won that game, I was definitely gonna uh, play the next week. Darnell, the last time we saw you play, it was against the, the Packers, and I think your performance went on your best of the year, and it really resonated with a lot of Bears fans, just the way you play tough, the tough yards you gained. Can you take us into the mindset for you heading into that game and then how it played out for you in a playoff-like atmosphere against a rival? Um, just the, the week before when we were playing the Jaguars, uh, I was just getting more comfortable in uh, my own little game. And... Um, I just had a goal of trying to get 100 yards, and um, that was that was the money of my mindset going in, and uh, I was just able to get the opportunity of getting the ball, and uh, they were feeding me, so I just tried to take advantage of it. How much uh, how much confidence did you gain as the season went along? I got to be honest; it seemed like you had confidence from the start, and as we talked to the coaches, even before the season began. It seemed like you really were able to grasp onto the playbook. Uh, where does that come from? Where does that understanding that, that you obviously possess to pick up on an offense, uh, quite frankly, a difficult offense pretty quickly? Um, I would just have to say it came from high school all the way up to college. Uh, my high school coach, Matt Scott, he, um, he taught, taught me very well of just learning the details of things and just how to maintain a, a good mindset. And then, uh, as of my confidence level, uh, like you said, I did have a good confidence uh, throughout the whole season. But I, my confidence was uh, more so um, going towards the coaches of like how much they have much confidence in me. So that's what I was trying to build on throughout the whole season. And I feel like they got more comfortable with me throughout the season as well. When you look back at your, your rookie season, Darnell, where does Allen Robinson kind of fit in there as a mentor, the leader of your receivers room and, and a leader of that offense? Like, what did he mean to you as a teammate um, this rookie season for you? Uh, definitely a, a big uh, a big benefit to me. Uh, he taught me he taught me a lot of things, just not on the field but off the field as well. Just a lot of knowledge of 
of just the NFL as it is. And then um, just from early on, before I even got to come to Hallis Hall, um, we were just speaking a lot of knowledge to, to me. And then his presence is very, very known. Every time he walks through the door, every time he's uh, just on the field, his presence is very known. So just having him as a teammate was, was very um, beneficial. So how closely will you be watching his situation this offseason? And how big of a loss would it be if for some reason he's not back with the Bears next season? Uh, it will be a very big loss um, because he's a very impactful player. Um, he's probably – I'll have him in my top five receivers for sure. And um, and uh, hopefully we can get him back back here if, if that is the case. His season, what like stands out to you about what he accomplished? A, a lot of contested catches, but I, I'm curious. Do you have like a favorite catch of his and maybe a favorite catch of yours from 2020? Uh, 2020 would be the Detroit game when he uh, he was like a diving catch going towards uh, our locker room side. It was just crazy. I, I replayed it multiple times. And I'm like, yo, I mean, I've tried not to drop the ball this year, but it was one catch that he had made that game and I was like there's no way I'm catching that ball that was just crazy well speaking of drops you don't drop the ball I think when it was all said and done you were credited with just one drop which is incredible so is I, the goal next year zero then oh yeah for sure the goal this year this year was zero and, and the ball that I dropped it on was it was the easiest uh catch I could have ever made throughout the whole season and it was upsetting it was upsetting me throughout the whole game uh, and they were just trying to tell me to forget about it. But one thing I'm trying to do is just be a perfectionist, and uh, I, I dropped it. So I got to strive for it next year. Darnell, did you ever surprise yourself Th this season? It was unlike any other before. There, there, the training camp was different. The, the offseason program was, was virtual. There was no fans. But, like, your success, the way you become, be, became a regular contributor for this offense, were you shocked by, by your own success at, at any measure? Not at all. I mean, I knew exactly what I, I wanted throughout this whole year. Um, uh, like I said in the beginning of the uh, – in a previous in interview through the summer that I felt like I benefited more because I was always uh, able to work out by myself, uh, have a good work ethic, and just be able to do what I have to do just to, uh, just to get the goals that I want. And um, it paid off throughout the, throughout the year. And um, there, there's some goals I'm setting this year and uh, hope to strive them. So I have to ask this question. You said that if you, if the Bears had won that playoff game, you would have been back the following week. So had you been playing, would you have, would that, that play design that went to Javon Wims in the end zone, would that have been you in that spot had you been in the game? Uh, no, that's all Javon. Okay. That's all Javon. Well, uh, how long would you, were you guys working on that play? And how tough was it for you just sitting, having to sit out that game, working so hard all season, and then the, the playoffs arrive and, and you're not out there? Um, uh, we, we work on a lot of plays throughout the throughout the year just to set up other plays, and uh, that just happened to be one that was uh, that you can set up. And um, um, it was it was very tough sitting out sitting out that game. I mean, I've never missed a game since. Uh, middle school so it was wow. pretty hard just sitting out just watching watching and um able to go back to Tulane the home of Tulane and just be able to play there would have been great and then the take down the Saints would have been great because I know how the fans are there just from walking around at school and seeing how they 
they are are sad when they uh, have a playoff loss or something like that. So it would have been good to try to help deal that. Some bragging rights at home, right? Um, I wanted to ask you about Mitch Trubisky this season. Obviously, he wins the quarterback competition coming out of camp. Then he gets benched in week week three. Then he comes back later in the year as a receiver of his. Like, what does his season kind of mean to you? How difficult was it for you going from him to Nick Foles and back to Trubisky? But, like, what did he do to maybe stick out with you? Like, what type of teammate was he for you as this season had its ups and downs, especially for him? Um, he, he, tr he, showed, he truly showed that uh, he's a man. Uh, he's not just going to mope around of uh, what, what happens throughout, the, um, throughout life. And uh, he showed good character of just being able to stand up and um, take different roles throughout, throughout like problems that he was, uh, that he can like, that he can say that was a problem uh, throughout the year. And uh, he showed good energy. I uh, he never, I mean, of course, you you knew when it happened, he was uh, pretty upset when he did get benched. But um, uh, he came back strong, and uh, he kept out throughout the whole, throughout his whole demeanor of just being. Uh, a good guy. So Darnell, you get the benefit of not having to worry about the NFL draft this year. You don't have to train for the combine. You can train as a football player all off season. And it's talked a lot about a lot, how players make a big jump from year one to year two because they can focus fully on being a professional uh, in the NFL. So what are your goals this off season? And, and what, what are the finer parts of your game that you're trying to improve as you go into year two of your career? Um, one thing is just uh, being able to catch the ball and just turn upfield and be at my complete speed instead of, instead of like having to gradually get three steps and then I'm there. But um, just my acceleration of that and then uh, just learning more of the game and uh, just getting a good, good knowledge of the game of how the NFL goes. Darnell, do you set like number goals for yourself? I know you mentioned 100 yards in the Packers games, but I'm curious: 1,000 yards, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. Like, what are the the goals you set for yourself um, as you head into year two? Um, uh, I haven't written them down yet. I'm uh trying to see how everything goes, and um, just wait until training camp to to set those goals. But um, a thousand yards plus is on the on the mark and 100 yards a game is, is on the mark so how about this offense because uh, much like when we were talking about mitch earlier there were ups and downs uh things got pretty tough there in the middle but then you guys really turned it on late you were scoring 30 points a game pretty regularly um how do you get to that point how do you start 2021 the way you finished and make sure that that's the offense you have for all season because i know that's what the fans want to see uh, I would have to say during, I mean, this this year, I mean, I don't know if it'll be quarterback competition or not, but um, that was a, I, I feel like that was a toll during training camp, just trying to get a, a good chemistry on um, on which guy, because I mean, they had different cadences, they threw the ball kind of different, and um, they're just their mindset, so we can just think of like uh, just being up being able to do that would be would be good, but um, uh, hopefully hopefully we can start fast and just everybody just be on the same page uh just have a, a lot of confidence of wanting of a, being able to score a lot Darn darnell how much do you follow the the quarterback news in the nfl right now i mean obviously mr trubisky is a free agent so you might have some changes coming your way how much do you 
watch where Deshaun Watson might end up or, or whatnot? Uh, right now, I'm just I'm just chilling, relaxing. I'm not really focused on anything. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, I mean, it's it's the NFL. Anything can happen. It's always it's always surprising news. And um, so, I mean, I'm just looking from afar right now. Whatever happens out here, and the the next hour or so after it happens or so, I'm not really locked in on anything. All right, Darnell. Well, we appreciate your time today. Uh, it was a joy watching your rookie season. Hopefully, the fans will be back next year. Hopefully, we'll be able to go back to Hell's Hall ourselves and, and be able to talk to you guys in person. Uh, we look forward to all that in 2021. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, from the offense, we go to the defense and another player that had a fine 2020 season, Tashawn Gibson, Bears safety, joins us now on Hogan Johns. Tashawn, thanks so much for your time. We were just talking to Dar Darnell Mooney. Uh, I want to ask you about his season. I know you're on the other side of the ball, but how impressed with you with a rookie fifth-round draft pick having the type of debut that he had? I think that anybody who um in, in the organization man once you first seen a guy step on the field i think the biggest the most important thing was to know how good of a player that he he, he truly was and i mean from the from the start of training camp the first day once you watch him move and, and and just how he can create separation and his speed obviously jump off on, on, on tape and when you watch him uh, move he just uh, a smooth athlete man so i think a lot of people were surprised but once we got in the training camp obviously this was a little uh, unusual circumstances so there wasn't preseason so people wasn't able to to get a glimpse at him so uh for us man i think that within the first week we knew that uh, we had some special in a rookie obviously um as he began to play with more confidence as the season went on he began to do things that 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 that, that you know left us all impressed so uh you got to tip your head off to a guy like that man came in obviously a fifth round draft pick um you know, the expect expectations probably was to, to move him along slowly, man, but he just burst on the scene and was no denying what he could do for this offense, and he was able to uh, pay big dividends for the team and, and, and come up with some huge plays for us throughout the season. Deshaun, I wanted to ask you about the big news on defense this offseason. Chuck Pagano has retired. Your safeties coach, Sean Desai, is now the defensive coordinator. What have you learned about Sean over this past season, and what makes you think he could be a good defensive coordinator? You know, the one thing about uh, a doc, man, is that one of the smartest guys, if not the smartest guy, man, that, that, that uh, around the game, man, that I've been around. And I've been around a, a lot of great coaches, man, a lot of smart guys, man. I've, I've been in this thing for a while. And one of the things about him is um, the, the biggest thing is you can say that he likes to put his players in position. And, and Chuck is the same way as well but I think that Doc see the game from a different lens and, and you know obviously I had a personal uh, a closer uh, relationship with Doc because like, he was my position coach uh, he was a safeties coach so the safeties obviously dealt with him a little more personal level um, then I would say the whole defense, but if you the, the consensus around guys like uh, Coach decides that you know you know the guy love love ball and he he this is all he think about and this is what he do and he's a smart guy and when you think about you combine those components man it's just one of those things where you feel like he's going to be able to put um, everybody in position to make plays not just certain guys and you know that's the beauty of it man when you got a defense like this with guys who can make plays on every level so I'm excited for Doc for this opportunity man nobody's seen this coming. Um, you know, but I can't say that he's not deserving of it because I couldn't picture a guy more deserving than, than Doc to be in this position, man. And I'm excited to see him thrive. And I think that everybody's excited to see what he can do uh, in this defense with the players that he has. 
So you guys call him Doc because he has a PhD, his educational background. Quite frankly, Sean Desai could probably be a professor somewhere. He doesn't need to be coaching football, but here he is. So when you talk about how smart he is, how does that manifest itself as a defensive coordinator? We talked to Bilal Nichols the other day. He said, Sean Desai, he's going to have you schemed up. Is that, is that what it's all about, just about him knowing, basically, as he's looking at opposing offenses, exactly what type of coverages you guys should be in? You know, I think that's when it comes down to being a defensive coordinator, being an effective defensive coordinator. You you have to self-scout yourself, obviously. Um, you got to know um, how teams view you first and foremost, and then you got to be able to, to to utilize your players and playmakers and put them in in, um, in, in schemes that's that's able to go out there and make plays. And I think that um, that's the biggest thing is playing times throughout the season where, you know, he would tell the safeties, hey, this is what I've been noticing the past couple of weeks. Let's change it up. That way you self-scout. Um, and, you know, a guy like him, man, obviously, he he, he was a safeties coach and he, he um, Chuck ran the defense, obviously. So it's only so much that a position coach can do. Chuck, um, he was the defensive coordinator we all respected everything that he can do for us. So um, it was only so much that Doc can, uh, you know, his input can only do. But, uh, you know, now being able to control the reins, it's exciting because you know that a guy like that can 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 truly most definitely put us in a situation to make plays. He's studying under um, the defensive coordinator before uh, Chuck. So, you know, I know a lot of people love him. So I think that those same philosophies – um, he 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 hold near and dear to him, man, and I think that that type of football he's he's bringing back to Chicago. So it should be exciting, man. If people don't know about Doc, I think that a lot of people gonna know about Doc this year. That would be Vic Fangio. Everybody does love him him here still in Chicago. Um, Deshaun, teams tend to take on the personalities of their coaches. So what's the personality, the the, the demeanor of Sean Desai, and how about his age? How do you think his youth his youthfulness can be? I don't. know, How does that play out in the field in a way? You know, you think about now the NFL is the, the 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 thing about the NFL now is everybody trying to go trying to trying to go for the younger, innovative coaches, and I think that this is kind of the way that that you know things has been going, man. So I think that when it comes to to you know his age, I don't think that that scares anybody because he's been around ball for a long time, um, and you know, for him to be able to withstand a couple of coaching staffs, man, I tell you the type of um, the guy that he is, how highly regarded that they think of him here in Chicago. So obviously, um, that's something, and you know, just him. I don't think that nobody's worried about his inexperience at the defensive coordinator position, man, because like I said, a lot of guys, D-line, linebackers, secondary, people have talked ball with him enough to know, man, that Doc know what he's talking about. And you, you any given any given day at practice, you might see him holding a conversation with, with multiple guys throughout the defense, man, everybody picking his brain and, and, and you know, trying to understand uh, what Doc see and understand what, uh, what what's his take on things. And that's just kind of the nature of it, how I've been since I first got here. I noticed he was a guy who I needed to rely heavily on to, to kind of grasp and get under an uh, understanding of this scheme. And, 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 you know, he's just a knowledgeable guy. So it's going to be exciting for him to see how he transition, man. But like I said, I think that uh, he's more than equipped to be able to get this job done in Chicago. Well, another young coach, a new coach to the Bears staff and also his first time coaching in the NFL. Mike Adams, longtime NFL safety, former pro bowler guy you played with in Houston in 2019. First of all, I need to know why everyone calls him Pops, uh, but I also want to know why everybody seems to love him because when this news came out the other day, it, players, reporters, anyone who seems to have been around Mike Adams loves him and really thinks he's going to be an outstanding coach. You know, honestly, the, the name Pops, it just was 
I couldn't tell you that, man. Maybe, uh, you know, a couple of guys back in his Cleveland days or back when they first originally started calling him that, man, they probably can give you a better answer. I got to Pops when he was 38, so it was fitting at the time. You know, you're 38-year-old guy playing in the NFL. I mean, he could have been, you know, we had some guys in there that was, you know, some young guys in there, so I don't know what, what the name behind, but the consensus behind him is, even coming to Houston, he was there for a short time. Just, just the, the the respect that he commanded when he came in the room. Um, Pops was kind of like one of those guys who was came came there to bridge, but uh, the bridge the gap. Man, he was kind of like in between between coaches and players. Man, we had a young room in in, in Houston besides him and J. Joe, and you know he was kind of like that guy who you know you could talk to Pops about anything. He understood. Um, even though he came late, he understood the scheme, the schematic of things. And, 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 you know, he just was a good dude. And from my interaction with him, everybody loved him. I mean, offensive guys, defensive guys. Um, he just a genuinely good dude, man, energetic, man. And for a guy his age, man, I I was surprised he could still move like that. It was crazy. So to, to, to it's a testament of how he take care of his body, how he handle his business on and off the field, man. And, you know, in Houston, we was a tight group. We did a lot of things off the field, man. And he just was a, he just was a good dude to be around, man. And you know that. It didn't hurt that he was able to play the game at a high level, pro bowler, a two-time pro bowler. And for him to be be able to come there in a reserve role and, and, and do what he needed to do, man, it just was – it was a benefit to having a guy like that who you can lean on because he plays so much football and at a high level. So he was essentially like a coach in Houston, and now he's actually having this opportunity, man. And, you know, I couldn't be more happier for him, man. I talked to him right before he got the job, and he told me uh, that he, he possibly might be coming to Chicago. Man, I couldn't be more excited for a guy like that. You've been in the NFL for a very long time, and this season was just so different, significantly different from years before. When you look back at the 2020 season, the, the virtual offseason program, the, the no fans in the stands, what was it like for you? It was different. It was something that I didn't, I don't think that even my mind can begin to fathom, like, what would this season be like? Um, you know, you had an idea, but when you first got there, and I'll never forget when we got to Detroit. And, you know, practice, I'm used to practice being quiet sometimes. You know, obviously, um, some some teams have thousands of fans at practice and things like that. But, you know, practice is one thing. But when we got to the game, man, and it was truly quiet. It was such a, a a crazy feeling, man. And it's one thing that stuck out to me, man. I remember hearing one of our coaches calling out the plays for Detroit Line. And they actually ran the play. And it was the play that um, Eddie broke up and Kyle picked it off. It was a momentum changer. And I'll never forget DT was calling out this play specifically. And we made the play on it. And it just was like that was something to me that I was like, this is 2021, man. Like, you know, never in my wildest dreams would – you know, you be playing in an empty stadium, man, where you can hear your coaches calling out plays and, and getting people lined up. And just like that to me was like, man, 2021 is going to be a different ball game, man. You can hear guys talking on the side. Like you can hear everything in there in those stadiums, man, especially before they allow any of the fans to come. Detroit was like silent. And, you know, for the most part, like when we play at home games, it's, it's, it's quiet. And after a while you get used to it. But I was here that first month. It was crazy. It, it just was it, – it was so – unusual and I don't think that people got used to it but as the season rolled on obviously I became more and more people became more and more you know comfortable playing in empty stadiums and you know unfortunately that's how the season played out for us we had to play in uh empty stadiums but you missed the fans you know we had a chance to play in front of fans it was it made you be like man this is what we play the game for man it's so exciting to be around uh fans and you know this is what the game of football is about well Tashawn we need to talk about you too uh, and this opportunity you had to be here in Chicago. You're still flying around in that playoff game against the Saints, making plays. 
Uh, how much did you enjoy the opportunity to come join this defense? And how much do you still want to be a part of it going forward with Sean Desai taking over as defensive coordinator? You know, obviously, I think that I, I, I I'm, couldn't be more grateful, man, for, 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 for Mr. Pace and, and Coach Nagy, man. When I, when I got cut through you know, the circumstances last year, man, after the draft and after free agency. I mean, that was a dark place. And, you know, those guys, they they, they, they gave me a ring and, you know, they seen something in me. You know, it was a couple of teams that called. And, you know, I felt comfortable. After talking to Nagy, I felt real comfortable, man. And for him to be this, the, the, he was a genuinely good guy. He was the same guy that was recruiting me to Chicago as when I first got here. And he never changed. And um, just having this opportunity to come here and play in this defense, you're thinking about a defense with guys like Hicks, Max, um, you know, the Roquan Smiths, the, the Eddie Jackson, the Cal Fuller. Like, it was one of the defenses where, you know, anybody would love to come in and step in and play in this type of defense, man. It's no pressure. You just go out there and you play. Um, you know, you just got to make sure that you up to par with the guys that you're playing next to because, you know, these are some straight dogs around you. So, obviously, it just was one of those things where it just it matched perfect, man, and I was excited for the opportunity. And, you know, obviously, I had the opportunity, and it was just a – it was a fun year. It was a fun being around those guys. It was fun being here, even through everything, going through, a, uh, you know, starting off 5-1 and one to going – on a six-game losing streak. It just was these type of things show the type of character in the locker room. So, obviously, with Doc being at the helm and, you know, uh, I love the organization. That's one of the things where I began to – I got comfortable quick. And, and it just – the type of way that they run the organization is family. Everything was truly loved there. And, obviously, I would love to come back to Chicago, man, especially play under Doc, you know, because we've had many, many talks, man. And for him to have this opportunity right now, man, I would love to be a part of it. And I understand. Um, but at the same time, I understand it's a business. I've been a part of this on this side, man, a couple of times now in, in my career. So I do understand the business side of it, man. But make no mistake about it, man. However I could get it done, man, I would love to come back. Last thing I have for you, because you did play in Houston, everyone's talking about Deshaun Watson right now. What is your reaction as somebody that played for that organization to what is happening? Uh, given that we don't necessarily know everything, but obviously Deshaun Watson wants right. out of there. Listen, man, I can tell you, I can tell you honestly, um, not just from the outside, but from like speaking on from the from the inside, um, it, it's just different. It's different, like, you know, and that is no shade to anybody involved, man. But um, when you see an organization that 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 lose a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or, and, you know, some of the moves and the things that they've made, um, it's hard to 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 not under to, it's hard to not understand um, how you couldn't keep your franchise player. Uh, who's just he? I mean, he, to, in my opinion, he's a top three quarterback in the National Football League. So when you lose a guy like that, um, it, it, it tell you a lot about what's happening at the top. And you know, again, my 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 situation was completely different than Hobson, completely different. Than, but you know, it just shows the 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 way that things is ran there. So you know, it, it's kind of it's crazy when you think about it. Never my wildest dreams would I thought that a quarterback like that in his prime. I mean, he haven't even hit his prime for him to be able to for to want out of. Such organs after he signed for a life changing contract. I mean, it just it, it's on par with everything that everybody's been here, man. Let's just say that. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know what happened, man. Who knows where he might end up, man? But he's a good friend of mine, man, and I have nothing but respect for him as a player, as a leader, man. And sh if if wherever he end up, man, he gonna make that team a, a, a super contender. I can tell you that much right now. All right, we'll get on that recruiting trail. All right, Tijon. <laughs> Absolutely, that is definitely the plan.
All right, Tashawn, hey, thanks so much, not only for this, but for your willingness to talk to the media all season long. I know we appreciate it. Um, you're top notch, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again shortly. I appreciate y'all for having me, man. Thank y'all. I appreciate it. All right, well, that was interesting. Wow. I don't a lot think, there. I don't think I'm surprised by anything he had to say about Houston. It's also not like he buried them by any means, but that's a player who was in Houston. So when, when I hear people doubt Deshaun Watson's reasons or almost question him or some of the stuff we heard yesterday from Brett Favre, for instance, where he's basically just saying, hey, you're making too much money to really watch. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's obvious if you're listening that what's happening in Houston isn't good. And you, you at least heard Deshaun Gibson hint at it there. That Hopkins trade really messed up that team. They didn't like it's not only Deshaun Watson lost his number one receiver, but Deshaun Gibson is one of the starting safeties. That hurt their team. And that was Bill O'Brien, I know, but Jack Easterby was there. And now you got Nick Casario who's still from that Patriots tree. That hurt that team. Deshaun Watson never got over it. Deshaun Gibson just talked about it. That stuck with this team and still sticks with them to this day. Well, it was a trade that made zero sense no. whatsoever. I mean, it, it I, I'll still <laughs> when that trade came across last summer, I'm just like there has to be more. You know, like sometimes when a, when a big news item comes across or like a big signing in the NFL, you're like, all right, let's wait and see what the guaranteed money is, right? <laughs> like there's going to be more to this story. There's going to be like an, like an out in a, a year into a deal. No, it was just like this is actually just a terrible trade. That the- you're getting a running back who's already hurt and could be out of the league in a couple of years. It's, I, I don't like, like you look at the, the Watson situation, it's just so unbelievable. Like why would the Houston Texans – give up this guy why would they trade this guy you heard Deshaun Gibson the he's a top three quarterback he's that good that talented that valuable it would have to be something that sour that bad on Watson's side to force his way out and maybe Gibson said something there that is for real and still tangible to this day in Houston all right let's talk about Gibson the player he's going to be a free agent he signed here on a, on a pretty cheap deal that was a really good deal, quite quite frankly, for the Bears. Um, to me, Gibson played well enough to be a starter on this team. Uh, you heard him say the nice things he had to say about Matt Nagy, and I remember him saying that back, too, when he signed with the Bears, that that was a big reason why he wanted to be here. So Nagy's obviously still, still here. His position coach becomes the defensive coordinator. So I guess the question is, should the Bears re-sign Gibson, and do you, do you think they will? Resign Gibson. I do think they will resign him. I think he was better than Haha Clinton Dix was when he was here for that one year. Uh, what was it, 2019? So 2020, the, to Sean Gibson was better, uh, at least if that's what you're comparing him to, what Clinton Dix did a, a year ago. He was a good, or a good compare and contrast combination with with Eddie Jackson who did not have the best year but Deshaun Gibson had a couple interceptions like you said when we were talking to him he played very well uh, towards the end of the season especially against the Saints I would see if he would come back on a two-year deal yeah I think you're you're if you're gonna make a move like that uh, you know he already did sort of the one-year prove-it deal I don't know what the demand will necessarily be out there but you'd probably want to reward him with a multi-year deal uh, regardless I think that they need to find a way to get more out of Eddie Jackson, right? Get more of that ball hawking ability out of Eddie Jackson. And I think that they think that Desai taking over, running more of what Fangio ran in 2018, and hiring a guy like Mike Adams who played in the league for so long at that position, 
Granted, he's just going to be the assistant defensive backs coach, sort of getting into coaching for the first time, but I think that they think that experience can really help Eddie Jack. Yeah, call it doctor's orders. I like yeah. how everybody keeps calling Sean Desai Doc. Can we start calling Sean Desai Doc? Is that it seems a little awkward that to me for some reason? What's up, Doc? You know, yeah. like, come on. <laughs> maybe we could start Zoom calls with Sean Desai that way. You know, it could yeah. be fun. Uh, all right, well, already two Bears players. We now head back to the offense. We've talked to Darnell Mooney and to Sean Gibson, and now we bring in the Bears Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominee this year, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy, good to see you. Uh, good to talk to you. And, uh, again, congratulations on this nomination. I'm sure it means a lot to you. Uh, good to see you both. And uh, it surely does, you know, for me. Um, you know, the biggest honor really, especially being for the Bears and, um, you know, Walter Payton himself and to play on that field, uh, you know, to, um, um, you know, to play with that C on my helmet and now to, you know, receive that nomination is pretty incredible and, um, you know, extremely humbling, especially with my first year there. We respect everything you did for the at-risk kids and, and the military families and all that. Um, but working for the Bears, playing for the Bears, and like you said, this being the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, you know Jared Payton so well. When you get that news, what are those emotions like for all the work, all the, all the giving back you do, and now you're with the Bears, you're friends with Jared Payton. Like, what were the emotions like for you when you got the nominee? Uh, you know, I mean, I was speechless. It was right there in front of the whole team, um, you know, right there on our practice field, right next to the Walter Payton Center. Uh, so, you know, that that's just magical. And, you know, a lot of things I do, I always do kind of in the shadows, you know, it's, it's more about the kids and the veterans than it ever has been about myself. So, um, you know, to, I was, I was wondering why the bears are doing so much digging on all the stuff I was doing off the field. Um, but you know, it, it all came back around and all made sense. And, you know, I'm, I'm truly, truly honored to, uh, to accept that. And, and, you know, obviously the emotions were, were extremely high on that field with the teammates. Um, and it's a moment I'll never forget. You know, Jimmy, on that note, you know, you mentioning how it's not never really been about you. I got to be honest, I didn't, you've been in the league for so long, I didn't necessarily know a whole much about your background until you came here to Chicago and we covered you. So how much, uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing off the field with the Jimmy Graham Foundation and how much from your childhood has shaped what you've been trying to do giving back to the community. Uh, yes, well, uh, number one, the Jimmy, uh, the Jimmy Grant Foundation, um, you know, we give uh, uh, reconnection flights with our veterans, um, you know, uh, through a Huey. I actually had a Huey uh, rebuild. I'm a pilot. I've got like nine different licenses and I'm a commercial helicopter pilot. So uh, I restored a, a Huey from the Vietnam War and we take up veterans um, and basically tell them thank you. You know, I, I believe if you take something from this country, which we all do, then you have to give something back. And that's kind of my give back. Um, but also uh, we take up a lot of children uh, through EAA Young Eagles, uh, which is a program where we take up kids between the ages of eight and 17 on their first flight. I, and in my foundation, we take up underprivileged kids to expose them to the um, um, to the aerospace technology industry. You know, there's a lot of jobs in the industry and they're hurting for jobs and 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 the long trajectory. That's where um, um, a lot of technology is going. So I try to bring them to the airport and show them all these opportunities if it's not a mechanic um engineers and all the things that are needed in that industry um and then number two or three uh working in uh my, basically my first week on the job once i signed my contract with the bears was to find some somebody locally that was needing help through this COVID experience um so i reached out and found um an organization called ignite 
um, which help out about 500 homeless youth in the Chicago inner city area. Um, and, you know, basically helped them keep their doors open uh, last year and, um, you know, and continue to work with them. And I will, you know, the work that they're doing uh, to help these children and to feed these children and to help and to put a roof over their heads is, is pretty special. Jimmy, we do have some football questions, some Bears questions for you. But before we get to those, I wanted to ask you about being a, a licensed pilot. Where, where did this passion come from? And can you share a couple unique stories, some, some amazing locations that you've been on, or at least flying over? Yeah, um, you know, I, was, I always wanted to be a pilot since I was a kid. Uh, I saw the movie Top Gun when I was probably too young to see it and was obsessed with being a fighter pilot. Um, you know, unfortunately, I grew to be, you know, 6'7", 270. And, <laughs> <You're big>. uh, <laughs> that doesn't fit in too many, uh, uh, too many fighter jets. So, you know, sports kind of took my way. But uh, basically, starting from my first year on, uh, I've gotten almost a new license every offseason, you know, except the major uh, surgeries that I've had randomly uh, throughout my career. Uh, so if I'm healthy and I'm not on crutches, I usually get a, I usually get a new license. But um, uh, I tell you, you know, between the aerobatics and the seaplane and the helicopter stuff, you know, some of the most memorable moments I've ever had in a plane, uh, you know, was flying, flying across, uh, across the country. You know, I've flown across the country several times at, you know, 1,500 feet uh, AGL. And, you know, going from, you know, uh, Miami to Seattle uh, at times, which took me 29 and a half hours of flying and three and a half days. So uh, those moments are, are rare and special when you're able to fly something so old so far. So, so my, uh, my six-year-old loves Top Gun. Like it's, <laughs> it's, and, and I love it too. Were you as bummed as I was when the pandemic pushed Top Gun 2 back a year? Uh, I was beyond bummed about that and beyond bummed that uh, I didn't even know the thing was being filmed. You know, <laughs> I mean, I would have begged to be an extra. Yeah, you so. should be in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, maybe they'll push it back and CGI me in there somewhere. That'd be nice. Jimmy, we were talking to, to Sean Gibson uh, earlier today, and just the, the season, this 2020 season, the, the virtual offseason program, you're, you're a new guy in a new team. What was it like for you, especially when there's no fans in the stands? Like, how did you process everything while it was happening? And you, when you look back at this year, like, what was it like? Um, you know, first you know to be new on a team is always difficult to kind of make that transition you know um i think that sometimes you know my name precedes me and uh you know uh usually whenever you play against me i'm i'm out there talking some noise so um i think the biggest thing was really to to try to connect with the guys and that's always difficult over video you know when i have face to face and you can go out with the guys and you can go to dinners um you know it's the camaraderie is just so much easier to build so uh, basically, that had to start in training camp. So, you know, just kind of doing that is always difficult. Um, but really, for me, kind of one of the most difficult things this season kind of presented itself was, you know, having no fans. Um, that's one of the main reasons that I came to Chicago uh, was to be able to experience, um, you know, the Bear fans live, you know, cheering for me instead of against me. You know, I remember what it was like uh, my first year in Green Bay, um, you know, and, and, with the towels going and everybody going nuts. So for me, that was, um, th that was the hardest thing to, to deal with. Cause I play a lot for, for that celebration. You know, I love, that's one of the main reasons I love scoring, you know, because you either hush a crowd or you hear a roar and that roar is extremely hard to, uh, to emulate in any other part of my life. So those moments, 
Um, those big moments when the crowd's going crazy and you can't hear anything, it feels like the ground's shaking. That's that's really why I play this game. So, um, you know, hopefully I get a chance to experience that uh, next year. And, and uh, that was, for me, kind of the hardest thing. Jimmy, I got to ask you about how the season ended because uh, obviously you guys lose to the Saints. We were already working and we're, you know, we're, we're writing, we're doing all these things, all this stuff's going on. I, I, I go back and watch the end of the game, I don't know, a few hours later, and I see you catch this touchdown and just walk off. And I got to say, <laughs> I know the season didn't end the way you guys wanted. It was kind of funny, and it was an enjoyable <laughs> way to go back a few hours later and watch it. What, what happened there in that moment? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I've got a lot of history there, you know, yeah. um, uh, you know, I mean, I guess I really haven't spoken about, you know, even being traded before. So, you know, that still sticks with me every day. Um, and, you know, to go there and to, to play them in the playoffs and then, um, you know, all the work I put in that off season and all the work we had uh, done to even make the playoffs, uh, you know, with our backs against the wall, with everyone, you know, denying us, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was just, it, I was just exhausted. You know, I mean, I, I hate losing um, um, and I hate losing in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I, I played in a lot of games over my career, but that feeling and that disappointment, um, it never gets easier. And for me, you know, a guy who just cares about winning rings, I mean, I truly, that's, you know, to make it to a, a game on this Sunday is everything for me. So, um, you know, I was, you know, I was just hurting, you know, and, and uh, it's always difficult when you're not, when you know you're not going to be playing the next Sunday and you don't, you know, you don't have a chance to win. Jimmy, you've played with some great quarterbacks in your career, and I wanted to go to this year, Mitch Trubisky's story. He wins the quarterback competition. He gets benched in week three, comes back, leads you guys into the playoffs, plays in that playoff game. What did you learn about Mitch? Like, what, what's your takeaway from Mitch Trubisky from this season? Um, man, the kid's got heart. You know, he he is uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how difficult that is uh, to go through. And, you know, um, just like, you know, the Bears, the Philly fans, uh, you know, fans um, and and they they expect so much and they want so much because they want to win. And that's a lot of pressure. And a lot of guys, um, you know, have have difficulty with that pressure. So, you know, to to go through all he went through, you know, to get benched and then to come back and and do what he did, I think really shows his character. Um, you know, it shows how tough he is. It shows how mentally strong he is because, you know, that's not easy. Um, it really isn't. And, you know, my hat goes off to him, man. It's, it, it, was, uh, it was incredible to see and to be on the field, you know, watching him, you know, make these, make these crazy throws and, and, you know, these off-balance, you know, kind of sidearm deals. And, and, you know, you could just tell that he was just leaving it all on the field and that, you know, he was playing with extreme confidence. So I think it just shows, um, you know, the kind of man he is and how strong he is. Hey, Jimmy, the Bears were kind of hurting at the tight end position before you came in this year. You gave them something they didn't have the season before, 50 catches, eight touchdowns. Obviously, the organization has embraced you with this Man of the Year Award nomination. And yet, you also know, as you mentioned, that trade in New Orleans, this is a business and, and things can be unpredictable. So what is your approach this offseason? How are you approaching things? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I believe you mentioned before when we talked to you that you you ideally like to end your career in Chicago. Is that still the case? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's still the case, you know. Um, uh, obviously, um, you know, it was it was difficult losing in the playoffs. And, and you know, I'm never, um, you know, I'm never going to be soft about that in any in any type of way. 
Uh, but, you know, you know, we obviously have a lot of things to figure out this offseason. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, uh, you know, kind of once I talk to everybody and once they figure out what they want to do. Um, but, you know, I'm going to be ready. Um, you know, I'm going to get to work. I, I've already been at work, uh, you know, get my body, my mind ready. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, that's not on me and that's not up to me. I know a lot of guys and I know, you know, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. Um, so, you know, I hope so. I enjoy playing um, with all the boys. Um, I enjoy playing for this organization. And I, hopefully I get to experience um, that true home fan experience. I know Cole Clement. A local guy, you know, a Bears fan too at heart. We'd love to have you back. What was it like being his mentor a, a bit and becoming, you know, brothers, you know, having that close bond and having him really come into his own late in the season? Yeah, uh, I don't think people realize, you know, just truly how close me and him, um, you know, had gotten uh, this season, you know, from the beginning to the end. Um, you know, his, his, his hunger to be, um, you know, to be good and to be elite and to learn, um, you know, it was amazing to see. And then to, you know, to see his growth from, you know, just, just one day to the next was, was truly awesome to see as well. And, and, uh, um, you know, I always said, I enjoy being on the field with him, you know, uh, whenever, every time that we played a two tight end set, um, you know, I took that personal, you know, because I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was on that field with him to, to enjoy those moments with him. And, 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 uh, you know, I remember, whenever he scored and, and we did that celebration together. We had talked about that, you know, weeks before. And, and uh, so, you know, those moments like that, those are the moments that you live for. And um, I enjoy playing with them. Uh, the kid is going to be a beast. Um, you know, the kid really, you know, has, has unlimited potential. And, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, where he's headed. And, you know, hopefully I can, hopefully I can still continue to help him get there. And, you know, if I am, you know, n no matter where I'm at, you know, I'm always going to help him and I'm always going to be close with him and, and he'll always truly be my little brother. Well, I don't think there's any doubt, Jimmy, what the impact you had on him, the team with your production and also obviously off the field, uh, which probably means the most to you in earning this man of the year nomination. Congratulations on that. Best of luck with uh, how that award turns out this weekend. And uh, thank you for everything this season, not only here today, but uh, all, you, all the, the times we had talking to you over Zoom. Hopefully next season it's in person. Yeah, I, you know, uh, one, uh, I appreciate everything. You know, obviously this, uh, this past year has been difficult on us all and very, um, you, you know, just kind of hard with the, with the player, uh, fan, and media um, uh, kind of interaction. But, you know, I think, I thank you guys for all the help and, you know, for truly shining a light on what matters, which is, um, you know, what we're doing off the field. You know, it, it's not only myself, but all of my teammates are doing things in the city of Chicago to help Chicago, to help our youth, um, you know, and to help us all get through this time. So thank you again. All right. Thank you so much, Jimmy. Jimmy Graham, Bears tight end and uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Chicago Bears this season. And uh, I got to be honest, you know, Jimmy Graham's obviously a huge name. He's been in this league a long time done such good things. He, he mentioned how his name kind of precedes him when he yep. shows up places. I, I didn't know a whole lot about his background uh, and the reputation coming out in terms of him talking to the media. You hear these stories about how he didn't talk to the reporters in Green Bay for a long time. I thought he was outstanding this year. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was outstanding on the field as well. I know there were certain limitations that he had being at the stages of his career, but he was uh, a viable red zone threat. Just brought a lot of energy and passion to the practice as well. We saw that early in training camp. He was great influence for Cole Komet. I'd bring him back, Adam. Yeah, I, and sometimes um, that 
takes renegotiating a contract, maybe you tack on an extra year, you bring the, I don't know. But even this one year is not too bad. It's, it's really not when you consider all things he did. And uh, I agree. I think that this is a player who his impact with, on some of the other players, like Cole Komet, you hear him talking about that. It's, it's probably worth bringing him back. Yeah. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, Jimmy Graham, he surprised me in a lot of different ways this year. I got to be honest with his production, with his impact off the field. There was a lot I didn't know about. And uh, I, I kind of enjoy veterans like that when they come in and you learn more about them, especially guys like that who you consider a superstar yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, he, he might be a Hall of Famer. He probably the should. numbers are there. He the numbers be. are there. All right. Uh, well, how about that? Three Bears on the Hogan Johns podcast show. today. Uh, enjoyed it. Darnell Mooney, Tashawn Gibson, Jared Allen. And we still got one more day to go. Plenty more to come here on the Hogan Johns podcast. You can watch us on the My Teams app at 3 p.m. Of course, listen to the podcast as usual. We're also on YouTube. One more day to go. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>